Hey, thanks again for tuning in to The Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. Uh, this week, we are actually in the, the, the middle of October, and Les was out of town, so we skipped the podcast this week. So I'm actually pulling up an old one that we did way back in May when I was actually out of town, and one of my buddies filled in for me as the producer. His name's Kevin, and he did a great job of recording this episode. And this one is with uh, the headliner... Dwight Slade, the very funny comic, I've uh, been doing it forever, and he's won almost every single prestigious award you can win in all the comedy competitions in the United States. And we also had our feature, uh, Al April, real pro, has been doing it forever as well, and uh, both these guys were real fun to talk to. Um, just from listening to the podcast, I got to I got a big kick out of it. Uh, like I said, Kevin did a great job, and I appreciate him filling in for me. And uh, they talked about a lot of different things. Uh, started off with some health stuff, it was kind of funny, and, uh, they continued from there, man. And I even threw a little bit of a bonus clip from Dwight Slade's set into the podcast, just so you guys got a little bit better of a taste for who he is. And, uh, hope you enjoy this one. Thanks. Conversation. <laughs> I'm Les McCurdy. Welcome to McCurdy's Comedy Theater uh, podcast, The Conversation. We're back in the green room right behind the stage. Um, and just to explain quickly, this the, the whole intent of this is for you guys to just eavesdrop in on the natural conversation that we the comedians are having in the green room when we're hanging out back here. What happens, just what natural, as much as we can make it natural with microphones in our face. Um, Does that uh, mean you have to have your legs all cranked out like that? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. You look way too relaxed. There's, there's relax and there's exposing, and I feel violated now. If you can picture it, just full splay of the legs. That's Dwight right. Slade looking at my uh, 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 crotch. Uh, uh, and and uh, our headliner this week, and that was the voice that you were hearing right there. Kevin, our producer, say hi, Kevin. Hello. Well, more than that. Hello. Okay, so the cartoon voice is Kevin's, <laughs> and uh, and then sitting down right now is is Honorable Al April. Uh, Al, settle something so they know what your voice sounds like. Al April as the month. Yes, that's it. Yep. So yeah, so there we go, and uh, and I got a veggie burger as we were sitting down, so I, I can I can cross my legs if you want. Have you, okay. have you heard? It made me feel have more you comfortable Have heard about too. the way that the the fake burger movement has really taken a massive turn upwards? I mean, one of the the fake burgers went IPO. They went. They had a. The, is that the Impossible Burger? Yes, the Impossible Burger. Well, it's coming to Burger King. That's right, and their sales went up eighteen percent last weekend. Mm-hmm. For the we've been taste great. Do we've been. Have, I, do they have them here in Sarasota? Yeah, the the Tamiami Tap sells sells them right now. Okay. Tamiami who? Tamiami Tap. Tamiami Tap. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with it. it, it that was a dancer back in the thirties. <laughs> <laughs> Tamiami Tap. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. you know, I we get a lot of compliments on our veggie burger, and I think, I think we use. Um, Morning Star, or mm-hmm. something like that. that's what we've always had at the house was 
Morningstar. Pam started getting them. Never had those. Every healthy thing never I ate, Al, comes from Pam. Yeah. You know, I never oh, ate any, good. I never ate a steamed vegetable, I never, you know, until I met her. But the Morningstar products, uh, they have a black bean burger and they have a griller that's a soy-based. And they're good. I mean, you know, I pull they, them out. And, but they taste like veggie burgers, right? The, yeah, they don't, I mean. The Impossible Burger tastes like meat. It does taste like meat. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty Wow. Good. In fact, they did a taste test for uh, Burger King employees, and the employees could not tell the difference between the Whopper and the Impossible Burger. I don't and, know and if that's way, good for the Impossible Burger. <laughs> by the way, I work for Burger King. <laughs> this show is sponsored by Burger King. That's incredible. So, is it a, is it a soy? Yeah, it's something, something soy. Something, mm-hmm. But they, they, uh, with with beet juice so that it has a, actually a bloody mm-hmm. it bleeds it. a bleeding veggie burger wow which also makes your stool <laughs> bloody Beet, yep. beets stools. beets do that beets will trick you into thinking you have colorectal cancer oh this is the conversation with <laughs> 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 the rail <laughs> Time you go from oh, it's a good vegetable burger to it's a bloody stool. It's a bloody stool. Yeah, which by is the name of my next CD. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I have to give that a try. I'd give it because I'm inter- I'd be interested in checking out to see what the tech. How do they get the texture? Well, they've been around for quite a while. I know, but I've never had one. This is really a new one, though. This is like the best meat. one so far. Yeah, it grows on the back of a rat. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. awesome. Isn't it interesting how conversations have changed in green rooms since you and I and everyone started? It used to be like, where do we get an eight ball? That's right. <laughs> where do we get an eight ball pussy? Uh, you know, and now it's veggie burgers and <laughs> supplements and bloody stools. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Viagra. What? Which which hard on pill do you take? What the fucking's wrong? You know, holy shit. Well, we hey, the industry survived for us to all get to be senior citizens. Here we are. Within it, I don't know. Now, you're you're over fifty. I am. No, what what's your age? I'm fifty-seven. Oh, okay. You're some age Pam is, you know, which is senior, which you don't, you know. And I told you, I I didn't. I never thought of 50 as being a senior citizen until the damn PGA yeah, the started the senior uh, tour, and that was 50, was the was the and and 60 super senior, right? And then when you turn 50, you get your AARP card comes to you. Yeah, <laughs> but we didn't grow up. We all grew up 65, right? I mean, that was in my head growing up. 65 was your was your coming out party yeah. for your season for senior you citizens. Your grandparents, you know, your grandparents weren't had didn't have Botox injections and oh god no, tennis and big <laughs> oh fuck never curly heard hair and an apron and mm-hmm. Winchester Cathedral. <laughs> I think oh, about, I love this song. <laughs> I think about my grandfather is always. Being grandfather, gray hair, you know, silver gray hair, and all. But when I, several years ago, when I did the math for the first time, and realized that when I was in grammar school, he was in his fifties. Right. 
You know what I mean? I mean, younger than, way younger than I am now. And to me, he always looked about 75 years old, like forever, you know, just that. Him and my grandmother both, you know. But. Well, what, what would you say, uh, Wes, is your, like your top three ways to keep away aging? I'm, um, I'm making a list of that. I got to do something. Okay. Well, fitness is A number one. I mean, oh, all dang it. I was hoping something else. Um, <laughs> staying fit's the deal. Because really, yeah. when I when I see someone that, when I see someone I haven't seen, let's just say in ten years, maybe, you know, even five. So there's been a big block of time. And during and when I see them, there's a little bit of the oh my god in your head. Wow, like someone did not take care <laughs> yeah, of themselves. Shit has gone yeah, terribly yeah. down. I guess the, like the, they aged a lot. And the scooter that they came in on is a good giveaway. But you know what it is most of the time? Weight. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they put on 40, 50 pounds. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's weight. And and you most of the people that I know that age quicker, it's because they put weight on. Okay. And then if they try, they lose the weight and they, they gain and lose, they do that two or three times, that wreaks havoc on your body. I mean, you know, and because your skin's expanding and then it's coming down and it has no flexibility anymore. And, but, you know, but, but the people that I see that look good, you know, and they're, they're in their 70s and 80s, they, you know, like Al. Look at Al over here, ninety-seven. And that looks great. But you do look good, Al. You, you're. Uh, I mean, 80. you got a pot belly, for but 80. not much. Oh, it's built a shed over a good tour. <laughs> okay, but you know, thing. you're. You haven't eight, changed eight much years. in well, because you've been seeing years. me every couple well, months. Maybe. But, I mean, uh, you got grayer or whatever, but still, you're uh, physically. You never went and put on fifty fucking pounds or no, nothing like no, that. No. I've asked a few pe- to older people. Well, what, what's the secret? What's the secret? And they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. They weren't any different. They just. I don't know the situation. I think it's fit. It's fitness when it all comes down to it. It's physical fitness and it's mental fitness too. Mental? Oh, I'm doing well. Well, we can keep the stress at bay. I always laugh at this Jim Fix. Remember in the long oh, yeah. when he wrote that book, those yeah. books on the guy who invented and jogging. He, and then he died. And he died I jogging. Mean, died young, forty-eight or something. <laughs> uh, he wasn't very old. Mm-mm. Figure it out. I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. A lot of it's good genetics. You yeah, know, you're just lucky. You know, when it comes down to brass tacks. More than anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, my wife Pam, she just has good skin. Yeah. And just, you get, she, it's inherited. And she just mm-hmm. doesn't wrinkle much, you know, and she's kept herself fit. And, you know, and, you know, you look a lot younger. Me, on the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was reading on, uh, on that there internet that on, ye- <laughs> on you can get a uh, I was thinking about getting a microderm you know mm-hmm. that's where they put like, mm-hmm. like an actual acid on your skin you burn off the top layer and then you get fresher non wrinkly skin underneath but you can buy the, the solution the, the acid 
and they have tutorials on YouTube. So you can do it yourself and save hundreds of dollars. Mm. The question is, I don't know if I have the guts to do that. Mm -hmm. I'd start with my feet or something. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like start low <laughs> and work your way up. The parts that are covered like pretty much all the time. Yeah, what's that sound? That's Dwight aciding his feet. <laughs> yeah, that microderm abrasion. And it was interesting. Helen Keeney was the headliner last week. And Hel Helen's on Home Shopping Network has been for years selling all those products. And I was with her the other day, and one of the girls that was sitting there, I asked her, go, are there really any of that skincare crap that really works? That's, and she goes, yeah. She goes, it, really? There, there, mm -hmm. There's some stuff out there that's pretty amazing, that truly is. But she goes, you know what's the new young now? Not having any work done. Not having any uh, work done. Okay. She goes, because... As soon as you start doing the Botox and the, the lip pump mm -hmm. shit, the, whatever they put in there to plump everything up and a little bit of a facelift and all, every, he goes, people are savvy to that and it shows. So as soon as you, uh, as soon as you, someone sees your face and they go, they've had work done, it ages you like that. What you're trying right. to not have happen happens immediately they go oh they're so old that they're starting to have work done and she goes now she goes i think from what i've seen it's better as you 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 just stay fit and oh this fit thing when is that gonna the, go away do the natural moisturizing and stuff like that you know and kind of age naturally but in a way that you're not letting yourself go she goes, I think people think you're younger than you are because you haven't done anything. That was her theory. She goes, when they see no Botox, they see no uh, collagen injections, they see no uh, facelift, then they're thinking, well, shoot, they, they're probably still in their early 50s or something huh. like that when you might be 10, 15 years older than that uh, was her little theory of what she's seeing. Good for her. You Good know, for her. and saves you some money. Yeah, well, I just, you know. yeah, I want the cheapest, easiest way that doesn't get me out of breath. Something I can watch Here, Netflix Here's the deal that an old friend of mine, Chicky Carmel, Ch Chicky Carmel from Chicago, the chick. What are you, 100? What do you know someone named Chicky? I do. Chick, chick, chick Carmel. <laughs> oh, and Chicky. It, chicky might hear this one day and he'll like, he'll be, he'll be like, where's my money? Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Chick Carmel said, it's not how old you are. It's how young your girlfriend is. <laughs> and on that note, I'd like to introduce you to my wife. I know you went. You got a your your wife is beautiful and younger, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay. There you go. And I, I, but we're both getting worried because I think that when we met, I was in a little bit better shape than I am, and I and I, th I think we're both kind of wondering like this is not going to be a good ending. This is going to be, <laughs> you know, she's going to be strong and. She didn't realize, in other words, because you're a good-looking man, Dwight. I'm going to tell you, you're a good-looking fella. Yeah, yeah, right. Talk to you're me, nice looking fella. Talk to me. You're better than average. You're, 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 you're busy, over, baby. you're, you're, you know. So, but she's, you've lulled her because of mm -hmm. that. You've lulled her into this, into this uh, uh, feeling that you and her are kind of sane. 
And now mm-hmm. she's starting to realize that there's a point where she's going to be a caregiver. <laughs> <laughs> someone slipped, and someone has ruined a knee. That's right. That's right. Someone can't go get fit at the gym. So now hey, I'll tell you this. Ice cream. I said this. I said this about. I told Pam this about a year ago. I go. I I don't need any more friends my age. I don't. Now, I'm not going to say I'm not going to make any friends that are my age, but I'm not looking for friends my age. I need friends that are at least 20 years younger than me. So if I make it to 85 or 90 or 95, I got some people that can hang and take care of my ass and, like, hang out with, and this, you know, that can remember shit. <laughs> you know, really. I need some 65-year-old friends at that point. I don't need everybody to be 80 and 90 like me, you know. But then you won't remember their names. That's okay. (laughs) They'll be tolerant of that. I don't remember half their names now. (laughs) I'm amazed that you can still remember all your autonyms without pulling the book out. The auto. He does a thing at the end of his show been his signature thing take a car take the letters make something else out of them so Ford you've heard you Ford trapped on a raw deal fifth on race day you know all that kind of shit well and there's a and it's been around for a little while but Al took that premise and did every car you can possibly think of so they yell out cars and try to stomp them and i mean studebaker substandard tie rods ultimately destroyed everything because a lot of crashes eventually resulted (laughs) (laughs) but that's how he closes his show and i got the liberty wrap now i'm closing oh that's right that's right you do that i forgot about that and uh which always gets a nice applause bright um but uh yeah i mean and I mean, how many of the cars do you have now? I mean, what's the number? 315 in my book. 350. So. Plus, I'm doing the oil companies. I did all the oil companies. Did you really? Yeah, Sunoco. Sultan's undermined nerdy official corporate operatives. Hmm. Sunoco. Oh, I need to do it. So, in recent years, has anybody thrown one out and you had to pick the book up because you couldn't remember it? Occasionally it happens. Yeah, I just can't. You have so many of them. Can't bring it up. Uh huh. <laughs> I need to get something like that. Yeah, that oh, but fine. it probably involves work. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> something to do in your spare time. Are you still doing your biggies? Mm-hmm. What is that? Got one hanging over there. The original one, if I remember, was business cart. Was it the golf or was it something No, else? it was the Captains of Industry. Captains of but Industry. Was the first one I did. So, I mean. John D. Rockefeller and those yeah, guys. Yeah, Addison. They're biz, business cards. He would oh, either have. You, some of you would find the real business card and some of them you made up. My golfers now are all legit. Are real. Yeah, yes. they're, they're uh-huh. all legit. And he frames them. And you had business, you had golf, you had women. Mm-hmm. Uh, Science. Um, I had four. Was four, there four, four of them? Four different ones, yeah. And always, and they're framed. That's what I did during they're the day. They're great. Gift and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, Biggies. I was always surprised that, you know, it never... You never got a Walmart or somebody... To they wouldn't... T- they were afraid. They were so afraid of being sued. 
I said, hey, I've got the approvals. Everything is cool. Wow. No, I just scared him to death. <laughs> you don't want the Rockefellers coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. John D. Yeah. Uh-huh. You still, so that, and, and so, so you just sell the auto names after the show, and you're saying you don't, didn't even have any more because you've been on the road, your DVD, but they can order it. Right. Blah, blah, blah. You just push that. Because when you first started, you had that DVD that was two, same show, right? One where you used profanity and the other one where it was clean. Right, two different shows. Two right. Different, two different, one was clean, one was dirty, called uh-huh. Right and Raunch. And, uh, Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, but I did a full shoot on that, hoping to sell it. And this is way before Netflix was handing out specials. So, um, but yeah, I just sold it at shows and, and made, made Have it, you made done any... Back. Teasing for net a Netflix anything or anything like no, that. No, I did one of those dry bars. Have you heard? I don't uh-huh. know. Uh huh. I see those guys. Yeah, yeah. that's the clean Jeff comedy, Jenna, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. There's a few people that have come in and said they've done the dry bar mm-hmm. thing. That's you like, know. like Netflix you? wannabe. Mm-hmm. It's getting pretty big though. It's true. A lot of comics yeah. have done it. No, mm-hmm. uh, dry bar. Where is that? Where do we watch? It just on the on, internet. Uh, I always see it on Facebook. Um, Facebook is where I see it. Well, it's it? a, they're advertising what's called. Um, I'm gonna blow this, but it's it's like an angel flicks, and what it is, it's a mm. it's a company that um, wh- their idea was is they can take Hollywood movies, take out anything that's offensive on different levels. Like for example, if you wanted to watch something with just maybe a little bit less profanity, but leave any sort of innuendo in, they would create that so you could do it online. Oh. And you could go clear up to absolutely clean nothing. And then they realized that it was hard to take Hollywood movies and edit them and sell them to customers. You can't do that. So they were involved in a a lawsuit, which I think has been uh, solved because then what they found out, what Disney found out was that suddenly this whole new market for their movies was all through this website. Anyway, the point was is at a certain point, this company um, created their own content. So it just had clean comics come up and they did first class shoots and um, they've made quite a bit of, uh, done really well with them. So when you do Dry Bar, do they pay you anything or is it just they, exposure? They pay, you, they pay you for the special and then you don't have to pay the production costs until the amount of your special sells and covers the, uh, the production cost. And so it's going to be probably 14 years before my <laughs> s- special earns enough money so that it starts to How long was your special? 40 minutes. Oh, okay, so like a whole, a whole deal. Yeah. So d- do you have, do you, I mean, is that what you, se- is that your DVD that you sell? No, I haven't. I haven't sold that one. I, I produced. But my you own. could. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because I remember years ago, Ron Shock had that. That he. It was the Showtime special, mm-hmm. but he wasn't allowed to sell it because Showtime owns it. Right. You yes. know. But he would sell it anyway. <laughs> he just made bootleg copies, and he'd tell the audience that he was. You know. And you know, it's a bootleg thing. It's completely a Ron Shock thing to do. But, how, many, uh, how many times was? Run down here at this club. Oh God, many, 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 many yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, probably, as a matter of fact, the first time we used Ron was at the the comedy catch in Chattanooga when we were there, which was nineteen 
would have been about 1986. Wow. And then uh, was uh, somehow Ken Sons, who was actually the owner of the club and booked it, uh, found out about Ron. I think he found out about Ron through Carl Falkenberry. We knew Carl from mm-hmm. down here in Florida because he was he was he came down here and worked him and a guy named Mike Vance. I know, yeah, who I was his yeah. team. I think they were a team for oh, a really? while, hmm. and then we heard about Ron, and then from Ron we heard about Bill Hicks, who was your comedy team partner mm-hmm. True. Uh, in the beginning uh, too, and uh, so from 1986 until Ron died. Uh, which was what, maybe, oh, God, how long's it been now? Mm-hmm. It's probably been longer than I yeah, want to think. I, I always have to double it. Do I you? I'll say, how many years ago? Well, well, two, uh, two, no, better make it four. Probably, it's Probably yeah. five. Maybe. Really least, appreciate that. Because I'm, I'm betting it was probably almost <laughs> ten years ago. Good to be. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh, so he, he played our club for a lot, long time. And, you know, I was talking to um, Ron White, about Ron, and because he was such an influence on both of us, mm-hmm. uh, your cadence, you know, understanding that you could take the kind of time that Ron did, you know, those little things that mm-hmm. he did that hardly anybody else did. I loved how he would always say something and the audience wouldn't respond at all, and then he would stop and go, "Listen to what I just said," and then he would repeat <laughs> the whole thing that they did not respond to at all, and they would always respond the second time, you know? I go, who does that? And, and uh, he's, he's one of the guys that people ask me, who do you like in stand-up? Who influenced you? And I always forget his name, you know, to mention him. Mm. But he's one of the guys of that small group that's, like, legendary, has a pure brand, and just devastatingly great at stand-up. Because it was, you were there out of that Houston original group, right, that was Brett Butler and mm-hmm. and, and Falkenberry and Vance and Jimmy Pineapple and Ron and Bill and Steve uh, uh, right. has the toupee. Oh, what's okay. his last yeah, name? Yeah. Moore, know. Steve Moore, right. Stephen J. Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you in the beginnings? With I the left right when they were coalescing into the outlaws, yeah. and so I, I missed a lot of that because I was well, God, I was eighteen, you know. Right, so. right. I was going to say you're younger, yes. much younger than all of them, yeah. you know. But uh, but yeah, Ron. We were talking about with Ron White. I was talking about that. You know, Ron was stories, right? For those of you people who don't remember him, he was a storyteller, and they're all stories. And I go, I was telling Ron, I said, if Ron was not a stand-up comedian, if he had decided to be a performance artist with a one-person show, okay, based on his stories, those stories would be published now mm-hmm. at, in a play form, and people would still be doing them to this day. I guarantee you they hmm. would be. They were great. They're hilarious. They're just wonderful. And you put but because they're stand-up comedy, in our sport, in, when the comic dies, their show dies with them. Hmm. No matter how brilliant it was, comics yeah. won't go and do another. Now, Dangerfield is an, is an exception to that. Mm-hmm. There's Dangerfield impersonators out there. You know, maybe Charlie Chaplin. I don't know, but... Like, nobody's doing Carlin's stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing Richard. Nobody has popped up 
and done a Richard Pryor tribute imp- tribute show. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody. And it's kind of crazy that, but in but it's like that's to stand up comedy. It's like you just don't do it. You just don't do that. And I was saying to Ron, I said, wouldn't it be cool if we took, you know, his iconic five or six stories, and you got five or six comedians each to do one story that knew Ron, you know, knew how he did the story, knew the cadence of it and the whole nine yards. Not that you're trying to exactly right. do it, but and uh, and he he liked the idea of it, and I was like. It'd have to be you <laughs> involved mm-hmm. because otherwise nobody's gonna, you know. But I've teased him with it two or three times, and and I know he's got a million other things to do and on his mind. But uh, but it is kind of crazy that when the comic dies, yeah. that no matter how brilliant their that. stuff is, it's gone. Know. You know, you, unless you just go look at a clip of their <laughs> shit, you know. <laughs> but when you go out. If you're before me, I'm taking them fucking auto nymphs. <laughs> Everybody else, if I beat you to it, there's a dozen guys out there doing it. Yeah. In fact, I just started my new bit, my new business right now. Either that, or you pass it over to your grandchild, or at all your grandkids. You Got to have one of them that might want to do comedy. That's the other wild thing we talked about with kids was that. Comics kids don't do comedy. Mm-mm. We were trying to think of any comedians or even club owners, kids that had gone into comedy. We could think of four or five. Yeah. You know, like a Paulie Shore. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah I, I, Albert Brooks, I think his dad was a, a stand up comic. Yeah, there's a, there's a guy, uh, Joe Larson's father or was uh, Gary Larson out of Seattle. Gary Larson was a very funny comic, but his son is even funnier. Really funny. And almost <laughs> like you don't, you, don't, you don't want to make comparisons. But And I worked with a guy that I worked with his dad back in the day from Spokane, a guy named uh, uh, Jeff McComb. And, so, and he had to remind me, you worked with my dad. That, that made me feel really young, <laughs> spry. Well, that's more than I've heard. I mean, but you would think that, comics kids would be like wow look at dad's mm-hmm. job you know and he's already connected as long as i can and get my you know chops together and he can help me and then he's already connected to the work and the whole nine yards but you know no they no. just no no my son they go into accounting my, or my son came up with a bit that i used on bob and tom once and i think that i was very proud of that Showtime. Yeah, I gotta get myself together here myself. I think people who get uh, married, they meet on the internet and they wind up getting married, should be required by law to use the usernames in the ceremony. <laughs> right there in the chapel. Do you snap Alicia 69? Take Donkey Kong Sr. <laughs> as your LOL BFF. I now pronounce you semicolon dash parenthesis sideway winky smile. You may give her the emoji. I got in the wrong chat room once and it scared me. 
Got this instant message. I'm naked and tied to the bed. What are you going to do? I wrote back, how are you typing? <laughs> and he wrote back and told me, and it was gross. <laughs> Talk about a hunting pecker. Yeah! Comedy! I had one internet date and it was a disaster. She would not have foreplay with me because she said my hands were too rough. She's like, how would you like some calloused handle over your private part? And I said, well. Uh... <laughs> how do you think my hand got calloused in the first place? <laughs> I've been working on this thing like it's a novel. Banging away like I'm on deadline. That's how I masturbate. Well, they seem to like it. I don't know why you used the N-word right in the middle of it, Les. That was really weird. Nigeria. I know. Um, it was, you know, when you're improvising, and it just boom just comes up there are they are a last night's audience was a little flat mm -hmm. i noticed that you had to work them i noticed that they laugh and then they shut up mm -hmm. you know but tonight they're they're more gregarious good they're more it's interesting because there's a there's and i and i, I don't know that i very seldom see this on the right hand side there's a group of young men I would say all in their 20s, 25 to 30-ish. I think there's probably, I didn't head count, but I don't say there's about 10 of them, all sitting on the front, like a bachelor party almost. And, you know, that's because guys generally don't no. want to be up front, you know. They shy away from that front area. And if they do want to be up front, you know, like I do, uh, it's like a uh-oh. Mm -hmm. They're – you know, they've decided that they're going to challenge the comedian or, you know, that that's going to happen. But they're great. They're, they're, they're really cool. Is, is Al working tomorrow, too? Yes. Okay. He's with you all, all, oh, uh, okay. all weekend through, through yes. Sunday. Yep. I yep. do want to yep. see a set. I haven't seen a set. Well, go ahead, go ahead and go out and watch a set. You don't have to sit well, here. I can see it tomorrow. Okay, whatever. <laughs> he does. I know his set. I could do a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> he does. What was, what's the thing? Uh he does about, uh, he's at the bar. He's at, the, I love his voice. And there's a lot of comics do his voice because he's got that, you know, very distinctive Al April kind of thing going on there. And I was at the bar and this young lady kind of sallied up to me. And uh, she was, uh, she was a beauty. Green eyes, especially the left one. Yeah, she had Betty. That was what it was. She had Betty Davis eyes. Yeah, and he does all these references to like old Hall and Oates songs and stuff like that. That sometimes when we'll bring them up, I'm I'm like, you just know that there's a huge chunk of the crowd that's got no clue. But at least in Sarasota, most of the crowd does True. remember that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And he talks about her reaching down in his pants. And his term is, 
Big Jim and the Twins. Mm-hmm. Got hold of Big Jim and the Twins. Yep. That's probably one of the f- my favorite things to do is to exchange comics bits that that are just so good that you would never hear because you don't get to work with these people. Right. And but right. comics sit around and exchange them, and you're like, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, right. That's so good. Nice. That's a that's been one of the things that's been so neat about filtering over to being a club owner and comedian is that I get to work with all the headliners. When you're a headliner, you rarely get to work with headliners. You hear about them, but you hardly ever, unless you're in New York or L.A., then in the showcase clubs you get to see. But otherwise, road comics are like, oh, yeah, you know, they'll some, I'll mention you and – Somebody like Pat Godwin, who's been around forever, go, oh, God, I've heard about Dwight forever. Mm-hmm. I, you know, never met him, <laughs> you know, never, and vice versa, and, you know, that kind of thing. But just to like, hear that uh, stuff. I don't know. If you, did you ever have Roger Rittenhouse? I didn't. I know, I know who Roger is. Well, Roger has, a, he has one arm that's not there, and he has a hook for it. And so he walks up on stage, and he walks up, and, you know, people take it in. He goes, I don't know how your day went, but this happened today, and he holds it up. <laughs> and he goes, petting zoom my ass. <laughs> and it's like within five seconds, he has two hugely strong bits. And it's just something I was – I just admired that. Not the, But you don't want to lose yeah, an yeah, arm, yeah, an I, appendage. I know, I know Dwight shows up with one leg. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a killer two minutes. But you know that was some, that's something that uh, I tell the beginning comics, you know, getting started. Other than have a couple street jokes in your ass in, in your act to protect all this new shit you're coming up with, and they're always like, "I don't want to tell jokes." And I go, "Well, let me tell you why you should." When comics try new bits, they already have shit that works, so they wedge the new stuff in between the shit that already works to protect it. And to give it a chance, you don't have nothing that works. So jokes are already written. Let that be your for sure thing and then work your little new stuff in there. But I always tell them, I said, you know, self, uh, self-debasing self humor. I mean, it, to, to go out and pick fun at yourself quickly, I mean, you know, I guess in the industry, a lot of people do it and it might be considered a – hacky or whatever but it's it's, it's, it is it it, i think it just wins the audience so quickly you you can't you can't i I remember i asked rich scheidner who has like what 15 tonight shows oh yeah and he said the number one thing is to start out with a self-deprecating joke uh within the first 30 seconds and get your laugh in the first 40 seconds yes and i i've been i'm a huge fan of of people who can start their sets in five seconds and get a huge laugh i just i just think that that's such a talent to be able to do that it is and and i i I teach that in my class i always tell them i go one of my main things is don't walk out and say how you doing i go they're doing fine and if they're not you don't want to (laughs) know how they're doing you know but walk right out I mean, if you want to walk out and cheerlead a little bit, that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm excited to be here, you know, that kind of thing. Just pump up. But I said, I like a comic that walks out and goes, right. I mean, the first thing out of their mouth is material. Mm-hmm. And it's a fir- 
I don't, I can't believe that what the bastard did to me on the way here. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and you're just like riveted right there. You're on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I agree. I, I, I love that too. Kevin's done you. Kevin's done stand up. You went through the class. Do you even remember? Do you even remember how you opened? Like the, the first, first time, time you got on stage. Uh, I remember I had a bunch of like one punch things that didn't really punch. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff you just thought was funny. Yeah. We all have that. What, what What did I start with? I don't know. I, that's okay. what I was sitting there thinking. Did you do anything that was? Uh, uh, self-deprecating uh, in the beginning. Uh, uh, I did. I, I just remember talking about uh, uh, like sticking my dick in an N64. Uh, you mumbled that, that. Did you mumble that on purpose? Uh, sticking <laughs> my dick in an N64. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's intriguing you know because. I close on that. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that was self-deprecating. Yeah, I would say but. so. I would say so. Although I don't even know what that is. I'm not uh, sure. Nintendo. Oh, Nintendo. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and the, that's the reason. The N64 has a legendary status. Was that the reason? Sure. <laughs> right, right. I never played it's video not, it's games. It's just not the one that I grew up with. <laughs> Did you play video games? Uh, when my kids were young, I. I Oh, okay. I would steal their equipment and play it. But, yeah. I had the one daughter, Taylor, and she never got into it. Never asked for one. Just never really Mm -hmm. got into it. So, we never did. So, I've never handled a joystick in my life. I don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Uh, I think it's it's interesting because my dad, my dad, like, we bought, my dad had a stroke and we bought him a Wii. Mm -hmm. Like a Wii Nintendo because they told him, like, the fit can do like uh the Wii Fit can like has a balance yes thing. absolutely and absolutely. you can yes. use it for mm-hmm. like stroke yoga and, and all that kind of stuff yes. yeah yes. so yes. we bought him that and he did he did it for like maybe we we bought all the equipment and he did it for maybe 15 five minutes never touched it again it all came to us later and it's interesting because my brother he is a huge gamer big big gamer right Half the and uh, he got kids right, uh, and half the reason I think he wanted to have kids was to be able to play games <laughs> with his kids. I right? like that. That's a good dad. Yeah. But but then then it's sort of it's it's funny because I'll, some of the games that they play he doesn't want anything to do with. Now. Oh really? He d- he basically turned into uh, our dad in that sense because Minecraft he doesn't understand that game at all. Neither do I. <laughs> now, is, that, is Minecraft an extension of Dungeons & Dragons? It is not. It's not. It's not in that same style no. or vein? No. It's like, a, it's like an open world. Like, everything's made out of a block, and you have to, like, break the blocks and, like, pull up different materials and then put them together to make, like, yeah. swords and pickaxes and... And then I, th- I think Les just went to sleep. I, th- I think yeah. he just nodded <laughs> off right we there. We gotta wake him back. Kill up. people with it, so that you some, can some zombies, but not 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 kill zombies. Yeah. The zombie craze is still <laughs> drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's like you keep just when you think this fad's finally run its course, there's another fucking zombie. Something <laughs> pops up, and I'm like, what is the fascination? With the, I it's mean, 
After a while, a zombie's a zombie. A zombie can only do so many things. See, I, I think it's a part of the national consciousness that we're on borrowed time, and there should have been an apocalypse all right now, and we're actually <laughs> acting it out in fiction Got rather ya. than actually doing it in real life. Got you. That's an interesting concept. That I think there's a lot of truth to that mm -hmm. in a way, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when you, you have, uh, like, the book The Stand, you know, and go, wow, it's a miracle this hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you know, you would think by now some something like that would have happened. Uh, but, no, we're resilient. I just pulled up, uh, uh, I found a website that's, oh, I just got it yesterday. I found it. It's data, world data or something like that, dot com. And it's out of Oxford, Oxford University. Mm -hmm. And it's, they, a group has just put together data and statistics on anything you want to know about, about the history of the world from, from recorded, pretty much recorded history that they actually had numbers on things, real numbers up till today. And a lot of what they're, because they're, they're feeling is, the reason, the reason that people think, people think the world is worse off than it's ever been. There's a, there's a big mm -hmm. feeling, and we're actually way better off than mm -hmm. we've ever been in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. Way, way, way better off. Mm -hmm. We're doing fabulous. Uh, 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 disease is going down. Homicide is going down. Uh, war deaths are going, all, all, the, all that is going this way per capita, you know what I mean, in, in a big way. But the, but the media, but at the same time, we've created a media that is in your face all the mm -hmm. time that is, that is probably, what, 30 40% news-driven, and because all these news channels have to make money, then they have to... They mm -hmm. have to they have to get the news as dramatic and you know as they leads. can. So it's got us it's got us as a world believing, and the, and and I read this whole thing and because uh, I was specifically I've uh, been playing around with a bit and we've done a little bit of it mm -hmm. uh, about how much of the world is violent. I was curious if there was a number on that, mm -hmm. and I did find a website through the through the United Nations. Uh, that was a science something dot com that through its numbers if you crunch the numbers down if you took most people die of disease and and you can put famine in with disease uh, um, but really uh, so below that it's car accidents are number two suicides number three homicides number four war is number five um, and, and so if we're really looking at violence, we're really looking at war and homicide. I mean, those are person-to-person -person violence, right? And if you take all, this was per, two th this was, these were numbers that were 2016, I believe. And if you take uh, all of the homicides and all of the war deaths, which, by the way, less than 20% of all war deaths had anything to do with anything you would consider terrorism. 
So terrorism's even way down there, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you took that number and if you just if you did one to one parity and said for every death there was a killer, so if there's a million deaths. Uh, uh, homicide and war, which th- it was less than that. It was about three-quarters of a million, but we'll just round it up, say there's a million. So there's a million killers for a million deaths, but there's 7.3 billion people in the world. So that means that all the violence is being created by 0.07%. Seven one-hundredths of the world creates all the violence that is putting us in such havoc. So and we need a genocide. This is what you're trying to say. I'm saying, how the fuck does it exist? How does point zero seven of anything? How is that even a, in our consciousness? Almost. I mean, it's such a small number. How is it not just eradicated? There's seven point three billion of us. Up right. against three quarters of a million people. And Put them on an island. Right. <laughs> you solution know, is to go f- hire someone to go out and kill them. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what I say at the end. I said we have to go kill them. But then you were the one. You had a good comeback for mm-hmm. me. There's, it's not in our nature. That's the reason we don't. We're not killers. They're killers. We're not. You know. So what we do is we put them, pit them against each other. We suck up. We suck up to half of them like we like them and we get them to kill the other half and then we do that one more time and then we're down to a manageable number and then we start a reality show called till death do us part and the winners get an island in the south pacific and global warming kills the rest of them (laughs) you know it's like boom 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 they're done well i I admire you for for trying that but kind of a dark subject it is a dark subject i'm interested in seeing and when i found this data based website out of oxford that was doing it and it it has a whole litany of what do you want to know about population growth famine food supplies uh water uh uh, violence war um you know uh, uh uh, migration, how people are migrating on the, they've got, and I, I was just going, wow, I would just, I'm really looking forward to delving into it and seeing if I can take pieces of it and find two or three laughs out of this real, these real numbers that people, I don't think, know, know or get. And I'm so, and, and the other thing is, do we have any leadership? that is educating us to that? No. Mm-mm. Counterproductive, obviously, to what their, what their agenda is, you know? Yeah, when I heard, I heard uh, Noam Chomsky admit that things were actually getting better overall in terms of, of the way we govern ourselves and the way authority works, they, that, that people really do have free voices now, more than they ever have in the uh, Oh, the exactly. Planet. I love exactly. that. And we have a long way to go, but... But at the same time, it is pretty, pretty. I mean, here we are on a podcast, you know. Well, exactly. <laughs> and we were, we were talking about a podcast a while back, and actually, one of my friends called me and said, "Boy, you were treading on some thin ice with this one." I thought was we were talking about racism, but how, if you look at how we are as a species, we we've had to be tribal to 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 ex- to survive. You didn't if you, if you were outside of a tribe for a long long time you didn't make it 
you didn't make it on your own unless you were Tarzan, you know. He was in the tribe. He was apes. He was with them, you know, good tribe. But we were always tribal. And when did tribal even – it wasn't until what you just said. It wasn't until we had law enforcement that would protect us, you know what I mean, outside of the tribe that allowed us to be individuals, that allowed us to go outside of the tribe and be on our own and not immediately be, you know, offed. I mean, and and if you think about how, how long have we had that? How long have we really had reliable law enforcement, military, that protected the general population pretty well? What? 50 60 years or something like that i mean it hadn't been a long long time that's so you know the point being of that is it's going to take people a while to get out of that tribal mentality because it's how you survived you know we don't we don't have to be tribal anymore we kind of choose to be but oh he's finishing up this is his uh it sounds like it's the liberty rap you're next Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. Uh, go to our website, McCurdy'sComedy.com, for all of our upcoming shows, events, and special events. And uh, if you like Dwight Slade, please go to his website at DwightSlade.com. That's D-W-I-G-H-T-S-L-A-D-E.com. Very funny comic. And uh, once again, we do these every Thursday. So, uh, you know, if you like it, please subscribe and all the good stuff. And we also do a uh, an interview after the show. So while we're recording this on a Thursday, we do an interview on stage that same Thursday where Les will bring out the uh, headliner and the feature act, and we put it on YouTube. It's called Off the Clock, and you get to, you get, to get an even more in-depth look at these comics because Les asked them all sorts of questions like how they grew up, how they got into comedy, all this great stuff, and it's in front of a live audience. A lot of fun. A lot of them are very funny. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, you just you just never know. And the uh, comedians come from all walks of life. And uh, we really appreciate everybody that keeps uh, supporting us. Keep coming out supporting live comedy. Love you guys. See you next time.